Well, welcome back to New Beginnings Uniting Church and our series on the words, the ways and the works of Jesus Christ. This is our 23rd week of looking at Mark's Gospel and believe it or not, we've flipped over from chapter 8 into chapter 9. That means we're halfway through the book of Mark, which is fantastic. I'm so pleased that you can be with us today and share in this message. Uh, Last week, I talked about how this moment was actually a turning point in the Gospel of Mark, a turning point in the ministry of Jesus, a turning point in the disciples' journey. You know, the first eight chapters of Mark's Gospel had been uh, all about the disciples getting to know Jesus, getting to know who he was, getting to know what he was about, and to actually understand that he was actually the Messiah, the one who's chosen, the one who's come to deliver, the one who's come to save. That is such a pivotal and important point. And I can't stress it enough. When Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? And Peter was able to say, you are the Messiah. That caused the ministry, that caused the whole notion of what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was about to shift, to change. It's important for us because this helps us understand the passage that we are going to look at today. Because without that declaration about who Jesus is, that he's the Messiah, without understanding where he's heading to, because all those first eight chapters have been about Jesus getting the disciples to understand that he is the Messiah, the chosen one. And the next passages are all about what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah? What does it mean? You know, what is the life-changing aspects of the Messiah? What does it mean to actually be a disciple and follow the Messiah? It actually is really impactful for us to actually understand this. And today we're going to be looking at the transfiguration And in order for us to actually understand the transfiguration, we need to make sure that as we read this passage, we read it with the understanding that Jesus has said this. And we're going to put it up on the screens for you. It's from Mark 8, verse 31. And it said this. And this is, this is the turning point. This is as Jesus changes his directions. And he says... Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man, so he's talking about himself, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. And he would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. See, we've actually got to understand that in order to really delve into the transfiguration, we need to know that in order to understand it, we've got to understand it from the point of view of Jesus' death and resurrection. We've got to understand that point. See, the context of this passage that I'm about to share with you right now is so important. The context of the passage in Mark's Gospel is so important for us to actually understand because it is about Jesus telling his death and resurrection and then understanding the Messiah is so much more than what this is. So let's just jump into uh, the Bible. Let's just jump into Mark chapter 9. 
And we're going to be reading about from, the, from verse 2. So it's entitled, The Transfiguration. So after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up the high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us pick up, uh, put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. They asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must be, suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it was written about him. Now, last week I said it was, it was so easy for us to kind of pick on um, Peter getting it wrong. And today, you know, it, it's a kind of reoccurring theme, isn't it? Uh, we, we love Peter because Peter really brings it close to home that we can get things right and we also make mistakes. And I know over the years, uh, preaching on this passage, that I've, I've focused on how Peter has got it wrong and hasn't understood the situation and kind of done that bagging on Peter stuff. I don't want to do that. I, I want, because there's, there's something really fundamental for us to actually understand. And, and believe it or not, as I was preparing this message and, and praying about it, letting the, letting the words of, of the Bible sink into me and thinking about this big picture that we've been painting and looking through all of Mark's gospel, it, it actually came to me that when we take little sections of the Bible and we just take a little section and we focus on that and look at that and then we forget everything and we look, next week we'll look at another section of the Bible, we, we actually miss what that big story is trying to weave through for us. We actually miss that it, it, it's actually connected, that there's meaning there. And that's why I said you really need to read this passage with a notion that Jesus has already turned his face towards Jerusalem, has already said he is going to die and be raised again. He, he's, he's already had the proclamation that he is the Messiah. The, the disciples are seeing him as the Messiah. And that's so important for us to actually understand the transfiguration with. We need to actually place it in its context. We need to actually have it in the space where we can understand it together. Not separate, but together. So I want to ask you this question. How do you actually understand the transfiguration for yourself? Is it one of those things you read and go, uh-huh, yep, that's fine? Or is it something you go, hang on, this has got something really deep and meaningful for us? So here's the thing. I want to, 
You know how I said I wasn't gonna bag out Peter? I'm gonna explain Peter for a moment. Rather than bag him out, I wanna explain him. See, the thing is that Peter and the disciples that went up the mountain with Jesus, they had this huge expectation about who Jesus was. Had this huge expectation about what the Messiah was. And, and they're living through the moments. And so having all this expectation and, and, and trying to understand what's actually happening, they're doing it right at this point in time. When we read the Bible, when we come back and read the Bible for ourselves, we read it knowing the story of what's happened. So we read it with, through hindsight, that Jesus did die on the cross, that he was raised to life, that he saves us from our sins, that he's drawn us close together with God. We read it from that perspective. We, we place that on top of that and we go, I don't know why you didn't get it. Let me put it this way. Let me give you a little example. You know, and it's not the best example. It's your birthday, okay? You know, you know when you've got a birthday and, and somebody said, I've got this fantastic present waiting for you. What does that well up inside of you? It's a bit of excitement, a bit of anticipation, yes? You, you, you want to know what's, what's going on and you can't wait. You want to see what's there. Well, let me, let me put it this way. It's your birthday. Somebody's going, oh, I've got this fantastic present for you. And they tell you and then go, you can't have it until your birthday. It's two months away. And so you're sitting and when it comes there and they give it to you, you go, oh, okay, thank you. You know, that sense of anticipation and waiting, you kind of think it's a bit ho-hum. Even if it's fantastic, you're going, yeah. You've already told, you've lost something because you know what the end is before it's actually come there. And see, we read often this passage knowing what the end is and the disciples are living through it in the moment and there's that anticipation. So let me, let me there are two really big points that I want us to get out of this. And actually, I'm going to distill it down to one verse that we really need to pay attention to today. Let me put the, the first point up on the screen for us so that we can actually have it. And, and, and to understand the transfiguration, we need to understand the death and resurrection of Jesus. You actually understand, need to understand who Jesus really is. You need to understand the nature of the Messiah in order for actually us to understand the transfiguration. See, the Messiah is seen as a saviour, as a liberator. All throughout um, Jewish history, the, the Jewish writing, the culture, you actually find that the Messiah is somebody who saves, who liberates the people. Uh, and in their context, in their understanding of who the Messiah was, they were actually thinking that the Messiah was actually just for them. And it got to the notion, and we'll be exploring this later on, that the Messiah was actually just about liberating them from their slavery and captivity, liberating them from the oppression of the ruling armies that had taken over their country. So they thought the Messiah was a person. Really key. They thought the Messiah was a person, like a king. 
king that would come and liberate. It's like a, you know, in terms of the Old Testament Bible, looking at that, it really is about somebody who's a king, a prophet, someone who hears from God and then tells the people how to set themselves free and, and gets involved in setting those people free from their bondage and hardship. See, the transfiguration actually changes that. It actually says that the Messiah is the Son of God. The Messiah is Jesus. See, let me put it up on the screen for you so you've got it. Mark 9, verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved Son. Listen to him. This is my dearly loved son. This is God speaking about Jesus. The son of God. So it's not, Peter's just declared he's the Messiah. He's the chosen one, come to save. Peter's just understanding that, they're starting to get the notion that the Messiah's got to die and be raised to life again. Jesus has just been declaring that. And the Messiah is the Son of God. It is Jesus. It's not this human. It is God's Son. It is such a pivotal thing for actually to us to understand. We should never underestimate this passage, this verse. See, God is speaking about Jesus. See, God is speaking about Jesus who is really, it, 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 for these disciples to be there and witness this, this was a game changer for them. Now Peter, Peter says, let's put up some boots or tents. You know, and, and throughout pivotal moments in, in the history, they would celebrate significant times when God interacted with the people and they would put up shelters and remember that. Peter's going, out of my living experience and understanding of all of this, what do I need to do? Well, I should do this. I should, let's put up shelters to create some significance around this. But he missed the point in the fact that it's about that Jesus is the Messiah, God's son, not a prophet, not a person, but God's son. God in the flesh, real, right there in front of the disciples. And Jesus has just been saying he needs to die and be raised again. They still haven't got that. They still can't comprehend that. They're, they're talking about it on the way down from the mountain. They're trying to comprehend what does it mean that Jesus has to die and be raised again. They're still trying to comprehend what the nature of the Messiah truly is. See, this verse confirms for us the divine nature of Jesus. Jesus is God's son. So important. The second thing that I want us to, to take on this is the source of divine instruction is no longer found in the law and the prophets, but it's actually found in Jesus Christ. 
It's found in God's Son. So the source of... I need to say this because this is really important. The source of divine instruction is no longer found in the law and the prophets, but in Jesus' Son. In Jesus, God's Son. See, let, let me quickly explain this for you. Who are the two other characters that are there with Jesus at the moment? Moses and Elijah. Moses is, is really, as you look at the, the point of the law, the law of Moses, he's the one that the law was given to and it's come from and the books were written. And when, when, when people talk about the law, they talk about the law of Moses. So he's there talking with and seeing Jesus transfigured, seeing God say to Jesus that you are my son, listen to him. So the law, listen to Jesus. Who else is Elijah's there? Elijah's one of the great prophets. And, and if you actually look at the prophecies, Elijah's meant to come before. Jesus is there, the Messiah's there. And so Elijah represents the prophets. And one of the prophets they've been speaking into the life of the people to say, correct and change your life, bring it back into God's path. And the prophets there, hearing God say, this is my son, this is Jesus, listen to him. So Jesus actually said, I haven't come to destroy the law, to remove it, replace it, I've come to fulfill it. We need to understand that. Jesus came to fulfill the law, but here's the thing. It is about the divine nature, the divine understanding. God is saying, listen to Jesus because he's the one that is telling you what I have for you and the world. It's not found in the law, it's not found in the prophets, but it's found in Jesus Christ, his dearly loved son. See, this kind of brings me to a kind of a little, little, little point that I just want to break. Is that, you know how the disciples in all of this time have been uh, learning and trying to understand in this very, you know, as, as actions happening? It's actually really important for us to realise that all their life, they've learnt the law, they've listened to the prophets, they've read that, they've had it drilled into them that this is what God wants us. This is God talking to us. And God is there in this moment saying and anointing and declaring that Jesus is his son. Listen to him. Not to the law, not to the prophets, not that way, but change, listen to Jesus. He tells what I want. It's, it's the same when we, we, when we come and think about how our lives change when we come and say yes to Jesus. Our old life wants to keep on speaking into us. Our old way of doing things wants to keep on speaking into our life. But Jesus is wanting to say there is a new way. There is a new life. And it's the same with the, the disciples here. The old way is keep on speaking into their lives, but Jesus is going, no, I need you to understand the Messiah is different. The Messiah is about Easter and what happens there. 
turning his face towards Jerusalem to his death and resurrection. It is such a pivotal thing for us to actually kind of grasp and comprehend. And it's important for us to realise that as we say yes to Jesus Christ and we want to start listening to him, we need to stop listening to our old ways and start listening to what Jesus is saying to us because we will be changed and renewed and made new and whole when we let Jesus speak into our lives. So let's just pray together. A loving, gracious Lord, we just give you thanks for this moment. We give you thanks that we can come and we can share together in your word found in the Bible, found in Mark's gospel. Lord, I know sometimes it's confusing to try and unpack it and pull it apart and see what it is. Lord, help us to see your word weaving through the whole of the Bible, through all of Mark's gospel, all the way through. Let it speak into our lives right now. Let it speak into us so that we may understand it completely and wholeheartedly for ourselves. May we understand God's great love for us and the amazing transformation that had happened to him and declaring that, that Jesus is our Lord, our Saviour. He is the one that we should listen to. He is the one that will change our lives. Oh Lord, I just pray that in this moment, that if you are on the cusp and saying, I'm not quite sure, lean in. Let God speak into your lives right now. Lean in and let Jesus talk into your life. Lord, I just pray for those that are just wanting to say yes right now, yes to Jesus. Yes, that He is going to be the Messiah, the one who will restore us, the one who will save us, who will change us. Lord, I just pray that you, you touch those people's hearts right now and they, they just say, yes, Lord, I want you to be the one I follow, the one I listen to. A gracious, loving God, we just pray the blessing of, of the Lord Almighty upon us right now. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.